You are responsible for protecting your heart. That includes physical interactions, that includes emotional interactions and spiritual interactions. And I think we do ourselves a disservice when we start becoming prematurely one before the wedding day. Welcome to the Focus on the Family broadcast, helping families thrive. John, I'm excited about the content today. You know, once in a while we come to the dating side of this. That might be the 20-something, the 30-something, and people are uh, forming their families later in life. And I think it's really important that we have some discussion about what God's calling you to in the way of relationship. What does it mean to be uh, committed to the Lord, your identity in Christ? We covered some of that yesterday. And we also discussed being the person with the qualities you want to see in your partner. I thought that was interesting. Deborah Faleta, our guest, mentioned that. You know, mm-hmm. the more you deepen your relationship with the Lord, the deeper those people that you hang out with probably will be. Mm-hmm. And I think that was true. It was true of my journey with Gene. I mean, I, that's when I was getting committed to the Lord in a deeper way. And boom, I found Gene and or the Lord found Jean for me, <laughs> and she was equally yoked with me in that. Yeah. She was really developing her relationship with the Lord in almost what I would say the exact same way. And it was such a wonderful and uh, reinforcing experience for me that mm. the Lord had introduced us, and we're kind of right at the same place spiritually, emotionally, etc. So I'm looking forward to today as well. Uh, me too, Jim. And Deborah Faleta uh, is so good. If you didn't see uh, the last video or hear the last episode, uh, hit the website. We've got links to YouTube and our broadcast app. And uh, there's so much more, so you can follow along with us uh, on this one. Deborah has written a number of books. She's a counselor. She's a podcast host. And uh, one of the books that she has written that really is uh, all about this topic is called True Love Dates, Your Indispensable Guide to Finding the Love of Your Life. We've got copies of that here. Give us a call, 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by the show notes for all the details. Deborah, welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. Well, people love hearing from you. The listeners, the viewers, they really enjoy Deborah Faleta. So oh, thank you. It's, it's encouraging. Deborah, I should have asked you this last time, um, but uh, let me ask you to speak to the parents for a minute. Because you talked about your own experience yesterday and how, hmm. you know, I think understandably it was a different era. Things were a little more controlled, you might say, that parents were, you know, kind of kissing, dating goodbye, even don't let your kids date because, you know, that only goes negative. So speak to the parent for a minute of, well, me, I've got uh, 20-somethings. What would you say to me about how to make sure I don't affect my children in an unhealthy way when it comes to the dating experience? What, what should I be saying to my boys in their 20s about dating? Yeah. Well, first, I think it's important for parents to understand that dating is not the enemy. And if we present dating as the enemy to our kids, they're probably going to rebel. Dating's not the enemy, but how we date has to be done in a healthy way. And so encouraging our kids to have healthy interpersonal relationships with people, particularly people of the opposite sex, is something that starts at a young age, even with their friendships and their engagements with people of the opposite sex and learning principles of what does it look like to engage with people in a healthy way. You know, we were joking yesterday about how the Bible doesn't necessarily give us a biblical model for dating outside of maybe arranged marriages, but it does give us principles on how to interact with people in a healthy way. And we can apply those principles to dating. And, And that's the thing we need to focus on when we're talking about our children. 
Uh, last time we did talk about the right thing of having your identity in Christ. And again, if you missed it, go back and listen to it. We're not going to rehash it. But there are other distractions in relationship too. Uh, you may have a modest understanding of your identity in Christ. Let's make that assumption that it's growing, which I think for everybody, it hopefully is growing a little bit every day, maybe sometimes quickly, other times more slowly. But what are some of those other distractions that take us off healthy relationship, healthy dating? Yeah. So if we kind of look at it in three forms, and, and True Love Dates is broken into three sections. The first section is dating inward and getting to know yourself. The next section is dating outward and understanding what it means to have healthy interpersonal relationships with people. I think sometimes people get into the world of dating and they don't know what they want. They don't know what's healthy from what's unhealthy. And it's kind of like trial by error and see how things go rather than having a healthy idea, a, a focused idea of what I'm looking for and what I'm not looking for in relationships. Yeah. You, you mentioned in, in the setup, I talked about it a bit. I was really actually really pleased when Jean and I met where we were both at spiritually. We I felt like we were right in a very similar space, even using the words, we're in exactly the same spot uh, spiritually. Mm -hmm. In your book, you address that a bit. Is that something we need to look for? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I would think that being equally yoked means something. That's a, a scriptural reference. For sure. So how do we view that? And if, you know, also you can be very engineering minded about this. Let me speak to that side of the brain that, you know, if a person that you're pursuing is not not exactly where you're at, do you just check that box and move on because they're not close enough to where you're at spiritually? Well, we have to understand our majors from our minors. Okay. And I think sometimes people put everything in the majors category or everything in the minors category. Like his height is just as important as his faith or his hair color <laughs> is just funny, as important actually. as his relationship with the Lord. We have to know our majors and our minors. And I believe that someone's walk with God, someone's faith needs to be at a similar level to yours. Because if you think of life like a triangle and God is at the top of the triangle in each of us in a relationship or at the bottom two sides of the triangle, as I move towards God, as my partner moves towards God, we naturally move up that triangle and move closer to one another. And if somebody is not on that journey with you, that faith journey, it's going to cause problems along the way. Uh, one quote that I heard growing up was, run after Jesus as hard as you can, and then look over and see who's running alongside of you. If they're keeping up with you, there's a good chance that that is a good person to date. Yeah, let me ask you this, uh, you know, especially in the marriage context, because you can look over and say, how come you're not keeping up with me? Speak to the problems of comparison in that context as well, because that, that could become unhealthy. Uh, so how do you encourage one another without saying, hey, look at me, and how come you're not keeping up with me spiritually? I mean, I, I'm being facetious, but yeah, it yeah. happens. Believe it or not, some of the concepts that we apply in dating, we need to tweak for marriage. <laughs> and here's why. You know, before you purchase something at the store, it's up to you to do due diligence to research that product, to look at the reviews and make sure it's a good fit for you. Because once you purchase it, now you've got to deal with what you've purchased. And it looks a little different after the fact. 
So prior to the commitment, that's when we really have to be careful because once we're committed, we have to approach it a, a little bit of a different way. It's not about keep up with me at that point. It's about, hey, let me encourage you on this journey. But I don't apply that attitude of, hey, let me encourage you on this journey to dating because you're not responsible for that person's relationship with mm -hmm. the Lord. Until the day that you say I do, you are not one in Christ. Well, that's really good. Let me let me ask you this too, because a lot of people, this can be a very sensitive question, but even in Christian relationships now, again, in the 20s and 30s, um, they're becoming one before the commitment. Right. Biblically. I'll use that language for the younger listeners, but speak to that issue of giving yourself over physically before before you say I do. Yeah. You know, in one section of True Love Dates, when we talk about dating outward, a big part of interpersonal relationships is having healthy boundaries because the Bible says, guard your heart, guard your own heart. You are responsible for protecting your heart. That includes physical interactions, that includes emotional interactions and spiritual interactions. And I think we do ourselves a disservice when we start becoming prematurely one before the wedding day. It, it confuses us. When, when you have such deep levels of emotional, spiritual, physical intimacy, even when you see problem spots arise in a relationship and you know it's not a good fit, you're so enmeshed at that point that it's hard to go back. Yeah. And that's why it's important to protect your heart with boundaries before that point. And again, this reinforces that idea of your identity in Christ. The Lord, the scripture is very clear about this, about protecting yourself physically, emotionally. And so that that's the recipe to pursue is what the Lord has provided. That yeah. gives you the sure safety in all those areas. And I dig deep into the concept of boundaries in true love dates, but I think the main takeaway is that you have to have a plan before you go into dating. What are your boundaries going to be with what you can talk about and your physical boundaries, even your spiritual boundaries? Yeah, it's so good. Let me move to the list that uh, you referred to, John, earlier <laughs> that you created with Dina, I guess, okay. in mind. I'm not sure. But you, uh, you have a friend that gave you kind of an interesting insight and I think she broke it down into red, yellow, green. Um, describe that list of your potential future spouse and the red, yellow, green. I'm already putting my yeah. own characteristics in there. <laughs> when it comes to understanding what you want in a relationship, and, and also when it comes to understanding the majors and the minors, you can do this in one of two ways. Before you start dating, the concept of red, green, and yellows means, okay, what are the red flags, things I am not going to accept in a relationship? What are the yellow flags, the things that are minor? You know, maybe he's late and I'm not a fan of being late, but that's a minor. I'll put that in the yellow category. And then what are the greens, the things I'm looking for in a relationship? And then when you get into a dating relationship, it's important to to do uh, an analysis, to, to kind of take inventory of the reds, greens, and yellows in a relationship. And I always encourage people, if there are red flags, red means stop because you cannot fix those reds no matter how hard you try, no matter how much you love, no matter how much you bring them to church and love Jesus, it is not up to you to change those reds. Can you give me some examples of what those reds and yellows could look like? I think yeah. I get green. Everybody gets green. Yeah, right. The but what would be some before? of the reds versus the yellows? And do some people confuse yellow with red? I think people confuse yellow with red often. 
but but put it this way the here's what's interesting it's going to look different for each person but i think in god's word we can find general principles of what a red looks like right when we talk about addictions being enslaved to something other than christ Mm. that's a red because it shows that there's an area of our life that we need to deal with and i'm including pornography addictions alcohol and drug addictions in that list i mean when there's an addiction in someone's life that is something that you cannot heal only god can heal that and and i think sometimes people use the process of dating in hopes that it's going to heal this person Mm -hmm. and then they end up with struggles in their marriage that they were never meant to have let's just put this in this context i know it could work the other way but a woman who has has great affection for this man who is dealing with an addiction of some sort. She feels like, um, you know, we can work on this together. We can overcome it. And she keeps, I I guess in some ways, it's a little uh, delusionary to think that you'll have a better outcome if you say, I do. How does she, in this context, I know it could be on the the shoe on the other foot. Right. So don't, don't contact me about that. I get it. But the point being, how do you rest yourself from that delusion and say, wait a minute, okay, I need to think this through. And the friend that's going to say, but the Lord loves him. Right. You can work with him. It'll be okay. Just to give some bad advice. Yeah, it is bad advice because we are on an individual journey of healing and we cannot heal each other. We can help each other, but we can't heal each other. And the reality is what you see in dating you will see multiplied times a hundred in the magnifying glass of marriage. So what you see is what you get. If you're seeing struggles today, there's nothing you can do to change those struggles on your own. And sometimes the best thing is to take a season apart in order for God to work on each of you as individuals. Yeah, so it doesn't have to mean no. It just means we need to become healthier before we move on. That's what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. This is Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller, and our guest today is Deborah Faleta. She's a podcaster, a counselor, an author, and uh, we're talking about her book, True Love Dates, Your Indispensable Guide to Finding the Love of Your Life. Contact us today for your copy, 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459, or we've got the details in the show notes. Deborah, let me ask you uh, about the three types of people who either display emotional openness or lack it. What are those three descriptions that you use in the book? You know, how we engage in relationships is often a reflection of our beliefs, our experiences, the things from our past. And, and so one thing I observe when I'm interacting with people in the world of dating is you have three types of people. The first group are the walls. The walls don't trust anybody. They have a wall up emotionally. They don't let their guard down. They're afraid that everybody is going to break their heart and let them down and that nobody can be trusted. They've been burned. They've been burned and they're afraid it's going to happen again and again and again. They keep people at arm's length. Then there's the opposite end of this spectrum. (laughs) The free, I call them. Everybody can come in for free. You know, there's no ticket necessary and you just come on in no matter who you are. You don't have to earn trust. I trust you from the start. The problem with that kind of a relationship is they get burned somewhere along the way because they just let everybody into their life. They throw the list out the window. It doesn't matter. Come come one, come all. The last group, I think, is the healthiest group who applies the fence to the way they do relationships. A fence sees trust as something that has to be earned. 
and they allow people into their life that are healthy, but they have boundaries to keep out people that are not healthy. Yeah. And this is so big. I mean, this is great stuff, Deborah, really. What what are the do's and don'ts emotionally you mentioned in the book? Yeah. I mean, I wish this is good stuff for anybody who's dating. Well, there's emotional boundaries that have to be formed in order for us to have a healthy relationship. We talk about guard your heart and the importance of taking ownership of that. So some things that you can do, number one, is actually by guarding your heart. Let me give you some practicals. I'm talking about emotional intimacy there and what it looks like to protect yourself from conversations that are going to take you down the path of connecting too deeply prematurely. The other thing is to guard your time. I think sometimes people start dating and they spend every waking moment with that person rather than seeing the importance of continuing to be an individual and allowing the other person to be an individual. The other thing you have to guard is your mind from allowing it to go down the path of thinking about marriage and kids' names and commitment when you've only been dating for a month. The things that are happening in your mind are a really important part of protecting yourself and lastly, Guard your conversation. Make sure that the conversation you're having is in line with a level of commitment and that you're not talking about things prematurely because your heart will also follow those conversations. Mm -hmm. In the end, we need to check our reality and expectations over dating. Um, What are some things that relationships can't do? We'll ask (laughs) it from the other direction. There's so many things relationships can't do that we expect (laughs) them to do. Meet all my needs? Is that a good place to start? You know, even the concept of soulmate is is such an unhealthy concept. And I know sometimes people talk about my better half in a a lighthearted way, but really God calls us both to a standard of holiness and health because relationships can't erase your insecurities. Relationships can't give you purpose relationships can't bring you healing. Those are the things we have to take ownership of on our own. Yeah. And and again, maybe two or three examples of what relationships cannot do for you. You went through that list pretty quick, but I, I do want to come back to that because again, I think some people that are overly dependent upon that relationship um, may be expecting far too much out of what that person can deliver especially dating, but then if you get married, boy, that that really is an issue. If you have such high expectations about what that potential spouse can deliver, how do you you get a healthy boundary there and a healthy understanding of expectations in the person you date and, and for the spouse you may end up with? Yeah, I like to think of it as two cups. And, and two half full cups, for example. When you take two half full cups and you put them together in a relationship, you have a whole cup for a little while and it feels good until you realize you're still two half empty cups and you're expecting the other person to fill you up in a way that they can't. Mm. And then you get into marriage and you're like, why aren't you filling me up? Why aren't you giving me what I need? Why am I still feeling insecure? I need more compliments. I need more apologies. I need more of this. I need more of that. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to looking at myself and how full am I? Am I allowing God to fill me up? Am I allowing other people to help on that process? Because we can't put that much pressure on a marriage or it will crack. Now, of course, we expect our spouse to be respectful and kind, but we're talking about things that our spouse cannot do, and that is to fill us up to overflowing. You had a kind of a funny illustration about this with, I think, your toddler at the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, how much uh, the other person can help you 
in in that need meeting area. What what did your little one do that gave you this insight into uh, how people can and cannot meet your needs? Well, let's remember we're all flawed human beings, even little toddlers. <laughs> and she wanted to help clean something up and grabbed a dirty washcloth and started wiping everything down with that dirt. <laughs> And, you know, it's funny because I think we do that same thing in relationships. Mm. We expect people who are flawed human beings to clean us up and help us out and, and lift us out of the mire when only God can do that for us. <laughs> I can't imagine your face when she's cleaning this nice white couch is <laughs> exactly. what I envision with this dirty washcloth and ruining the furniture. We have good intentions when we go into relationships, but we have to realize that we've got limitations. Yeah, and even in that analogy, what a time as a parent, but bringing it into the relationship, you got to back up. You don't get emotional about what she's trying to do because she's trying to do a good thing. She doesn't understand that the washcloth's dirty, really. She doesn't understand where she's failing. Right. And what a great metaphor even there Mm. for how you have to... Um, you know, kind of talk about it. And for those who are listening who are married, I think it's important to kind of go back to that concept of, yes, I can ask my spouse to meet my needs and I need to ask them, but I also need to make sure that I'm getting my own needs met in Christ first and foremost. I would think when you when you peel it back in all the counseling that you do in marital relationship, when you find a healthy couple, you talked about somebody yesterday identifying a healthy married couple and trying to be mentored by them. Right. It, I would think what you're going to find in those healthy couples are a reliance on the Lord for meeting those needs, and then they're complementing each other in that relationship. In other words, they're not looking to their spouse to fill that need. Yes. When you are getting filled up to overflowing because of Jesus, the overflow is what spills over into your relationship. And I think that's the healthiest visual for Mm -hmm. us to have. You know, Deborah, right here at the end with True Love Dates, um, people may be critical that we haven't talked about the Lord that much and his role in all this. It's foundational. Uh, Hopefully you realize that coming from Focus on the Family. And your book certainly talks about that spiritual dimension, that commitment to Christ, uh, to have the healthiest possible identity that you can have. But let's wrap it with that idea. How does placing our faith and trust in Jesus help us through our dating endeavors? It's almost like, you know, so often we think of God as grandpa. We'll just keep him in the other room watching TV. Right. And it's so true even in this space for 20, 30-somethings or maybe older people who are in the dating phase still, and you're going, yeah, the Lord, he's not that concerned about the dating stuff debunk that myth. Yeah, God is so concerned about how we date and who we date because it impacts your calling, it impacts your future, it impacts the plans he has for your life. And I think something to be on the lookout for when you're dating somebody is, is Jesus overflowing from their life? If I have to dig and search pretty hard to know whether or not they love the Lord, there's a good chance that that is an area of struggle in their life because it should be overflowing from us and it should be overflowing from them as well. I mean, Jesus holds it all together. I always tell people, I don't just trust my husband. I trust the Holy Spirit at work in his life. And he trusts the Holy Spirit at work in my life. And so bring Jesus into the equation of dating. Ask for his Mm. help. Ask for his wisdom. Ask for his advice and clarity. Ask him to help you heal from the inside out so that you can recognize a healthy relationship as well. Boy, that is so important. I mean, what you just said about trusting the Holy Spirit to work in your dating 
person <laughs> or in your spouse. It is so true both both directions, both situations. And Deborah, this has been so good. I, I wish I would have had this book, really. And, and we want to make sure it's available to folks. And if you can support the ministry on a monthly basis, what a great way to do ministry through Focus on the Family. If you can do that, it doesn't have to be a lot, but $10, $15 a month really does help when thousands of people are doing that. It helps level the budget out of focus. We know what we can count on and what services we can deliver to help uh, marriages strengthen, to help save a baby's life, to help parents through crisis. That all is what you participate in when you do ministry through focus. So if you can do that, we'll send you a copy of Deborah's book as our way of saying thank you for being part of the ministry. Donate as you can when you call 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459, or stop by the show notes for all the details. Deborah, again, thanks for being with us. It's always so good to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for joining us today for Focus on the Family. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.